You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. And welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. Many of you are familiar with Blaze TV's awesome personality, Hillary Kennedy. But how many of you know her equally awesome husband, Jeff Hofer? Jeff is a baseball card guru who knows all the ins and outs of the industry. And as YouTube's resident pack geek, he shares that information with the rest of us. Jeff is a Kansas State alum, a proud Kansas City Chiefs fan, and he ended up marrying his sister? Wait, I just said he's married to Hillary Kennedy. Are you confused? Well, I suppose you'll want to pay close attention to the story of Jeff Hofer in this edition of At The Mic. My guest this week is none other than, and you're going to have to help me here because I'll probably screw this up. It's pronounced Jeff. Jeff. I was See, I was wondering. I was going to have to sound it out. Jeff. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's a tricky one. Those two Fs. Is it Hoferer? It, it is Hofer, actually. It looks, okay, so it, it's just one er. I mean, Keith, it doesn't make any it sense. It got two ers on it, though, it, man. It makes no sense. I can, I don't know what the crazy Germans were thinking when they came up with this name, but they're <laughs> pronouncing it as if there's a silent E-R on it. Yeah. It's spelled H-O-F-E-R-E-R, but it's pronounced Hofer. Hofer. So have you ever thought, maybe you're laying in bed at night trying to fall asleep, and you're like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to change my name. I'm going to drop these extra letters at the end here. Uh, you know what? This, for future this, generations. I So... Of course, that, that thought has, has crossed my mind. I decided that yeah. I'm going to keep that tricky last name so I know who my friends are. Mm. So when someone comes up and says, are you yeah. Mr. Hofer or, 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 or whatever Steve Martin's name was, and, and <laughs> was it the jerk? Uh, uh, I forget. Man with two brains, maybe? Um, anyways, I know those people are either strangers or, you know, not friendly. That's, wait a minute. But I started off pronouncing it. You, you, I like, think you nailed it. I consider that a success. Okay. Woo. Okay. Good. All right. I thought we were getting off on the wrong foot here. Uh, <laughs> I will say that we did take a picture. You. you I, I don't know what the purpose is, but you made me do a selfie with you before the show because I think it's fair. It's a fair ask right. because I took a picture of you for the thumbnail of today's podcast. But then you asked me for one as well. well I'm. I'm. I'm not exactly dressed for the occasion, but. Uh, what purpose will that serve? Well, well, I also want to promote this oh. podcast, so I, I wanted to have my own. I didn't want to just copy your thumbnail and post that. Uh, I wanted I to have something original. Okay. I, I wanted to. It would know. have been nice. I mean, I you caught me without a hat today. <laughs> um, I, you know, yeah, it's but like, Keith, you have a well shaped head. So I gotta say, I like, if, if you're worried about not having a hat, I've no never, big deal because it's. Uh, I've never had that compliment. You have a well-shaped head. Wow, I have a well-shaped head. Well, I mean, it would be nice to have some hair on top of that head, but uh, I do normally wear a cap. It it could be worse, though, because, you know, you you come across folks every now and then where they're their hair is kind of rebelled against them, and they have a crazy-shaped head, and you're like, well, (laughs) it's kind of the double whammy. (laughs) If only I had that problem. Hair to worry about that was long enough to be unmanageable. Okay, so you were born and I think raised, right? Born and raised in Topeka, Kansas. It's true. It's the capital. What was life like there? Oh, boy. It was incredibly exciting, as you can imagine. No, you know what? Topeka was actually, it was really nice. It's there, I think when I was growing up, there was like 100,000 people there. So enough to where you had... You had a fair amount of things to do, 
but it wasn't a big city. So, and it's about an hour away from Kansas City, which is a great city. Tons to do there um, if you're in the Midwest. I like Topeka. I think it was a nice huh. uh, Midwestern town to grow up in and be raised in. Yeah. Okay. Because I like the Midwest a lot. I went to school at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln, just That's up the road right. from where you grew up. So, yeah, I, I'm a big fan. In fact, just a year ago, my first ever visit to Manhattan, Kansas, which I love that town. I, it was very nice. And that's where you went to school, right? K-State. The Little Apple. Yes. Yeah, the Little yes, Apple. Indeed. Yeah, that name, I, I, that never stuck really, did it? <laughs> <laughs> I saw that they, on some things. <laughs> well, they, they do have a water tower that says the Little Apple. Uh-huh. So somebody thought it stuck, but I agree that it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't get enough play. I do want to talk about your college days, but first I want to stick with your childhood here. You have one sibling, an older sister, much older than you, right? Much older. About eight years? Yes. So did you guys hang out at all, or was she always like, oh, my little brother? Oh, man. I was always the pesky little brother. In <laughs> fact, my my poor older sister, it was, I, I found so many ways to entertain myself involving my sister and her friends or her dates when she was oh, in high school. No. Because I was just young enough to where I didn't really get in trouble for being mischievous. Bad but Jeff, I could cause Jeff. some problems, yeah. So I, <laughs> I, I can't even count how many dates I probably ruined the end of by, you know, running out and telling her date something that I just made up on the spot about my sister. <laughs> oh no! Or, or <laughs> my favorite was she would have girlfriends come over uh, for like a slumber party. And, you know, when I was about five or six years old, I thought it was cool to streak the party. So I would run straight through buck naked, hearing girls screaming, and just thought that was the most fun thing ever, getting all of that. All of that excitement and uh-huh. uh, attention all at once. And, oh, my you know, goodness. My poor sister. Well, okay, so when's the last time that you streaked? <laughs> Was it at age four or five? It's, it has been a okay. few years. Right, just making sure. <laughs> Fortunately, it's been a few years. <laughs> okay. So so you uh, enjoyed your childhood there in Topeka, um, causing problems for your sister. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, did you ever tell any of her dates she used to be a man? Because uh, I mean, every I think, every little brother's got to use that one. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh. ha- had someone fed me that line, I probably would have used okay. it. No, I, I never, I never took it there. It was more kind of like, okay, yeah, okay. it, it okay. was just silly, just, silly things. Okay. That, <laughs> All right, so you went to school at Kansas State. Yes. So you're a wildcat. What did you major in? I majored in marketing, um, and the reason being. I wanted to major in film or communications mm-hmm. because I, I've always dreamed of being a filmmaker. Uh-huh. My my wonderful parents who offered to pay for my college said, "We will only pay for it if you'll if you'll major in something that you will quote unquote use." So Uh-oh. they thought a business degree <laughs> was far more practical, which you know it, it is more were practical you, than were a film you degree. Into that enough as a major to be like, okay, I'll do this into marketing. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it made sense. Okay. I always, always liked math. Um, so, you know, and I liked English and these were, these were things that came in handy with marketing. Um, actually, I don't know how math would come in handy with that, but, uh, <laughs> come to think of it, but mar- marketing always made sense to me. Uh-huh. I always, I always felt like, Hey, this feels pretty natural. This is great. And you know, the, the way, cause I'd actually told one of my professors, I'm really interested in becoming a filmmaker and he said, well, you know, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of work in advertising and uh-huh. marketing yeah. and advertising are kind of parallel. So that was that was kind of the way I justified it. So your first dream, though, was to be a stand-up comedian. That's true. I mean, you you can't exactly go to college for that. Had you given up on that <laughs> dream by the time you got to college? That that was a pretty early dream of mine. That <laughs> okay, was that okay. was kind of around the time most kids are probably saying, "I want to be a fireman." Um, for some reason, I thought a stand-up comedian was mm-hmm. was a great way to go. Uh, I think it was around the time that HBO was doing their stand-up specials, so I would get to see some of these, some of this comedy on yeah. on TV. I'd okay. never been to a stand-up show, obviously, um, but yeah. So that was my first dream. Did, whenever you tell someone that you know, hey, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian when I was younger, do they ever follow that up with, oh, tell me a joke, tell me a joke? Uh, well, of course. I mean, that's... so tell me a joke, man. I'm just <laughs> Don't do it to me, kid. No, okay. Uh, all right. So. You're not in marketing. You're not a stand-up comedian. You're not really in film and TV. What you do is incredibly unique. Tell us how people would know you and recognize you because you're a very popular, for lack of a better phrase, YouTube personality, right? Hey, well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a show on YouTube called Pack Geek, and it is, it is the combination of two loves in my life one being filmmaking and the other being sports cards like i grew up collecting sports cards and uh and you know i i would always open up these packs yeah. along the way you know if you ever collected baseball cards you you opened up packs at some point in time and that was like the best part right because it's this this sort of poor man's treasure hunt if you will <laughs> it's an adrenaline rush it is as you're opening the 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 pack and you're thinking I'm about to find something pretty awesome here. Yeah, every every pack every before pack. you open it contains the rookie card yes. that you know makes the yes. sets or whatever. Um, so I I was spending a fair amount of money buying these cool old packs and opening them, and I would I would go on like forums or whatnot and talk about it and show pictures. And I thought, you know what, it would be really cool if I just started filming this so I could share this with my friends and kind of do this first person pov so it almost feels like they're opening the pack themselves Mm -hmm. and so i started doing i actually started doing the first videos back in uh, 2009 2010 and they were really low production value (laughs) um which it pains me to go back and look at those yeah i'm glad you point that out because they are so well done and edited and it's an experience what is the YouTube channel for people that might want to find you? Thank you. So I, I have to preface this. <laughs> so if you want to see the new episode, you can see all the old episodes at youtube.com slash packgeek. P-A-C-K-G-E-E-K. P- exactly. Exactly. Just just like it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we recently started a network. So we have an entire sports card network that is right now it's like four different shows and they're all sports card shows on YouTube and the, the network is called Bench Clear Media. So if you go to youtube.com slash benchclear, you can see uh, all the new Pack Geek episodes and several other shows. So okay. we have literally like every day we have new content coming out on this YouTube channel. It's it's the first of its kind. Like the hobby has never seen something like this. We're kind of breaking ground with it. And we're we're really excited because it's, it's picking up some steam. And it's only been live for a month, but... Mm. It was kind of a scary proposition because the all of these shows we all abandoned our own YouTube channels, which oh my we had spent years and years building up. Yeah. And you know how big of a deal it is to build up a subscriber base, and we'd all built up a you know a fair amount of subscribers. And then we one day 
it, it was a little it was a little bit better transitioned than that. But right. <laughs> essentially, one day we all went over to another channel and we just started posting our videos just to this channel, no longer to our old channel. So we had to try and convince all of those subscribers to then follow us over to this network where, you know, they're going to have a lot more to choose from. But it's going to require them going to another web address and hitting that one button, which is trickier than you'd think. Yeah. Are people finding you? Uh, they are. But, you know, I've, it, I've had to put in a lot more a lot more work than I was. Put that marketing <laughs> degree to use. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Okay. Guys, just follow me. Right. Uh, it, it, it is. It's a process. We, there, are, there are people that are um, not wanting to do that just because they, they like the independent idea of mm-hmm. us all being on our own channel. Um, they also feel like this is kind of us selling out, which mm. is which is ironic because it's literally j- the exact same shows just at a different URL, just different and it, location, and it's the people that were doing these shows that created the network. It wasn't like some somebody didn't come some in and swarmy feller came in and and bought us all out right. and brought us over to his YouTube channel. Like it's us, it's how us many, doing. How many guys it. total? Or how many you know different channels have been combined now at BenchClear? Four channels. Okay, yeah, four different channels, and we're we're trying to diversify. So we, we want to have all the bases covered. We want to have every sport covered with a show. We want to have different kinds of show. Like one of our one of our shows, Baseball Collector, is a guy who's it's like a vlog. You know, it's basically him and his collection. He will take you through like he he just bought a bunch of new cards off of eBay. He's going to show you what's called a mail day video where you're mm. you're watching him open up all these packages and uh, it, it's really interesting, but we have all sorts of stuff. There's another show uh, called Breaker Culture where where he's a big analytics guy. Ty is very into the numbers, so he breaks down odds of of you know finding certain cards, oh, how, wow. how their value has increased. It, it's like watching you know a finance major go through and <laughs> apply that to the sports card hobby. So if they go to youtube.com slash benchclear, they can find Pack Geek episodes very yeah. easily there. Yeah, right. So, we, we've yeah. got it broken down into uh, the playlist. So if you go on there and you click on playlist, you can see all the different playlists. The Blaze audience, those that are familiar with your wife, Hillary Kennedy, they will see her there as well as a part of the Pack Geek episodes with you. That's right. I'm right. glad you brought that up. In fact, this week, this Wednesday coming out, we have a new episode with Hillary. Uh-oh. Um, oh, yeah. Well, because this yeah. is, see, this podcast may not air for a while. So Let's now, see, what now would that date I am be? going let me, to. Let me throw a date at that. I was going to say, uh, I'm going to pressure you into <laughs> having another one when okay. this comes out. Perfect. But it, it'll be live. So you'll <laughs> yeah. be able to find, go to, go to youtube.com slash bench clear and you'll, you know, you can search for Pat Geek and you'll see she's been on a lot of episodes and mm-hmm. she's fantastic. Hillary as I know a lot of your listeners probably know her just through the blaze. Mm-hmm. She she could care less about sports cards, which is what's <laughs> wonderful about having her yeah. on the show. Like she gives a great perspective being the wife to a guy that's a total card geek. Uh. You know, and, and, and I, I love it and but it she works. gets to tell the other side of the coin, which is yeah. always fun. That is awesome. Yeah, you guys do great together. Absolutely. Thank you. Which in fact, oddly enough, you two were siblings before you were married. <laughs> Why don't you tell us how that happened? Wow, what a setup there! <laughs> I like. Can we, should we just end it? You're on welcome. That? No. Um, so Hillary and I, we we met. I was living in Los Angeles. She was here in Dallas, and I I was I was working as a filmmaker in L.A. Um, a writer and an actor uh, mostly, but I did some producing as well. And I was coming back to Dallas to produce a horror film that a buddy of mine was directing. And 
we got back and there was an issue with our female lead at the time. Her schedule was a nightmare to try and work around. So like a week out from the beginning of, of filming, we had to recast the lead, female lead role. And uh, our, our male lead recommended we reach out to Hillary Kennedy, a girl that was in his acting class at one point in time. Uh-huh. And so she came in and she read for the role. She was fantastic. She was beautiful. She was sweet. Everyone immediately fell in love with her. And uh, and so she came in and the the role that Hillary was cast for was my stepsister <laughs> in the film. And because Hillary has a wicked dark sense of humor, once you get to know her, she, you know, we, we, we ended up, obviously dating and and, uh, getting married eventually when it came time for our wedding shower hillary sent out invitations that said from brother and sister to husband and wife and it was such an inside joke that a few family members didn't know the backstory (laughs) and were thinking what are we getting into here oh no no it's just hillary kennedy being you know super funny and we're we're were family members calling you, or were they just, you know, asking through back channels? What, what is this? What it is was this? more like they would ask my parents, <laughs> what, "What's this about?" You know, no. We got a few people that were kind of like, you know, is this a joke of some sort? Of course it is, that but, is so but funny. you know, they were they were mixed up enough to to need to ask for. That is so great. So, how long have you guys been married? Uh, oh boy, Uh-oh. Hillary would probably oh, uh, no. not like me to get into that, but oh. we've been married several years. I, don't know. I didn't know where this was going. I thought you just didn't know. <laughs> no, I, like, know, uh, I know exactly. I don't even years. remember the day. No, no, okay. we, we've been married long enough to uh, <laughs> finish each other's sentences. Yes, exactly. There we go. Well said. Wait, well said. Wait, I just finished yours. That's kind of <laughs> weird now. You guys have recently welcomed a cute little guy fox into the world he's about two years old now yeah he is he's like 20 months 21 months it gets really weird you know up until age two everybody goes by months and like it's hard to keep up with counting them as months at that point (laughs) i i'm hoping i can stop doing that when he hits two right yeah you you do you do okay good you don't go well he's 25 and a half months no so you're right i'm still saying a year and a half technically he's older than that Mm -hmm. but um, he's in between a year and a half and two years. Yeah, there you and, go. And, yeah. Keep it generic, <laughs> especially considering the podcast may air tomorrow. It may air two months from now. I right, don't know. Right, right. So, yeah, he is, He is first of all, adorable. Thank you. And I love where you guys got the inspiration for his name because right after he was born or right after I found out what his name was or somewhere right in that same period, I was reading a book on Eisenhower and how his mentor, Fox Connor, Fox Connor, yes. And it, anyway, it was just it was beautiful how that lined up timing wise. So, how did you guys even decide? Hey, let's go with um, uh, World War Two. Well, actually, he was World War One general. How, how did you guys? Um, it it actually that? ties in with something we talked about earlier. We we came across Fox Connor, and we were both kind of thinking, oh, what a cool name, you know, and and. Uh, Hillary used to watch a soap opera where one of the characters' name was Fox. Huh. And so we were trying to think of names for a little boy. 
And I was I was very intent on having something simple because mm-hmm. I'm like, he's going to have to deal with this crazy last name <laughs> the rest of his life. Yeah. So let's at least set him up for success with the first name. Something simple, something memorable, something easy to spell, easy to pronounce. People are, people are very familiar with this word when they see it. Right. So Fox was already a name that we really liked because of these people that we'd, we'd come across named Fox. Uh-huh. And so we applied that to our son, and it worked out great. So now he's Fox Hofer. Okay, so you came at it from the general angle. Yes, yes. And she came at it from a soap opera angle. <laughs> exactly. I got gotcha. that, that. That's basically yeah. our marriage. Yeah, I was going to say, so, so when you're introducing him somewhere, the backstory is World War One. When she introduces him somewhere, it's from a soap opera, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's fun. <laughs> That's good stuff, yeah. But That's, yeah, so we, we, you know, we're happy that... He has at least a fighter's chance in people pronouncing his first name. Yeah, right. right. And that's kind of the same story that Carrie and I tell. She says that our son's name, Ezra, is from the Bible, which, I mean, I guess that's technically true. But, dear, we got that because of uh, the Ezra Charles band that played at a function that Pat and I were a part of in Houston 20 years ago. No kidding. Yeah, and and I, and I, and I, to- I told her at the time... Because I'm sitting there for three hours baking in the Houston sun, looking at a drum kit that says the Ezra <laughs> Charles Band, and uh, that's how it started. But whatever. The women are always right. Are they not? They are. It's and from the Bible. I that's got right. And what's better than Ezra? <clears throat> that's awesome. You, you've heard that joke a few times. Oh, I, oh, <laughs> oh, have I? Especially considering I'm one of their biggest fans ever. Better than are Ezra. you really? Yeah. I was going to say you're a great thing. band. And that's the other I'm thing. I'm so happy to hear you say I that. I didn't get that from that band. <laughs> I would be lying if I said that that's where I came up with Ezra's name, even though I was a fan of Better Than Ezra long before I was sitting there having this epiphany in front of the Ezra Charles band. Anyway. It's yeah. a great name, no <laughs> matter how you cut it. Thank you. Okay, so the three of you live here in Dallas. Correct. But you share the house with a couple of chihuahuas. Oh, we do. And and in fact... And she's I, talked I, to us about these guys, too, and like their fun names. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we, we, had, we had to make sure when Fox was born that he knew he was number three. Because we were afraid, you know, y- yes, you're the, the only human baby in the household right now, but... That doesn't make you the most important. Aha! Uh-huh. And so, you know, we had we had <laughs> oh, no. two Chihuahua babies mm-hmm. for uh, several years before Fox was born, and yeah, they're they're great. They don't quite know how to interact with each other just yet. You know, Fox is figuring out how to be gentle with two small dogs, and yeah. they're both kind of running for their lives from Fox. So they don't have that Chihuahua attitude that could be a detriment for his well being. They don't. No, yeah. fortunately, they don't. But I. Even if they did right now, I would almost encourage it because Fox needs to know you can't manhandle the dog. Right. So I, I, yeah, I haven't exactly gotten on their case about snapping at him because uh-huh. I, while I do, obviously don't want my son hurt, I do think it's important that he realizes right. you you can't just have your way with these dogs. Like right. they could bite you. They're and not this, toys. Yes, exactly. Be exactly. Ser- yeah, take them seriously. See, we have a Chihuahua Beagle mix who thankfully has, for the most part, the temperament of the Beagle. Ah. Every now and then, you know, when something egregious is happening at our house, such as someone, I don't know, walking by the front of the house on the street. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's when the Chihuahua <laughs> attitude comes out. <laughs> no. So 
you mentioned Better Than Ezra. Yes. The band. I'm a big fan of theirs. It sounds like you are as well. Yeah, yeah, I grew up. Yeah. That was a great era. Yes, it, the 90s, man. It's it's a very underrated era in music. And, and you guys who are listening to this podcast right now, you can snicker and point and laugh all you want, but uh, <laughs> I'll go toe-to-toe with you on that uh, that decade of music. Who are some of your favorite bands? What kind of genre do you typically <clears throat> enjoy? As I've gotten older, I uh, I've kind of just fallen into loving just pop music mm-hmm. the, the stuff i hear on radio now if i were to go back to when i was actually really into music when i had time to discover new artists yeah i i used to love sublime do you remember sublime i do and i the back to 90s yeah. the reason i loved them was because they were this weird mix of like all these different flavors of music that i mm-hmm. loved they had the reggae influence right. they had a punk rock influence they had, uh, you know, they the hip hop influence. They would they would cover like NWA songs. Yeah, it was they had a wild eclectic sound, and I always loved that. Yeah, that's funny you say that because even the most eclectic, weird we say weird in quotes at the time in the '90s, you look back and it's like, wow, that was actually really good. And back then, maybe it wasn't enough appreciation for what we were listening to. But I, I actually, I like what you said there. When I had time to really get into new music, <laughs> I, it, it's funny you say that because you remember they used to have those listening stations where you would listen to a CD at the music store? Yes. And you could just stand there and listen to a CD. Like I, a Tower Records, you would you would so, belly up to the bar. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. forgot the name of the place, but there was an independent music shop in Houston, Texas. And I remember Carrie and Aslan, our oldest, were out of town uh, for a week. And I remember one afternoon I stood there and I just listened from start to finish Pete Yorn's Music for the Morning After, which I contend is one of the greatest albums of all time. But I just remember standing there. I just, I'm just having this moment of nostalgia while you're saying, wow, when I had time to get into new music, you know, exactly. <laughs> there used to be that era before kids. And I'm sure you and Hillary have that line in the sand kind of in your own minds of pre-Fox, post-Fox. Oh, yeah. The yeah. time that you have... You know, Carrie and I used to go watch a movie every Friday in the theater. I don't even know where the nearest theater is now. (laughs) Right. And that's not completely true because my kids are into some movies now that they're older. You know, we can all go and see the Avengers stuff together. You know, the the Marvel movies and all that stuff. Uh, Star Wars is back around, you know. But speak to that. Has your life, I know the answer, but tell us, how has your life changed from before you had kids and in the last couple of years? Oh, my gosh. Well... First off, the first thing that comes to mind is I never feel like I have enough sleep. And, and, and our son is an amazing sleeper. Oh, he good. sleeps exceptionally well. That's good. He's been sleeping, you know, between 10 and 12 hours a night nice. since he was about two months old. Okay. And and we were really fortunate with that, obviously, very fortunate with that. Um, but it, I don't know what it is. We, you know, we sleep next with the baby monitor next to us. It's cranking out. We're hearing everything going on in his room, whether it's the the white noise on his white noise maker or him just having a dream or something. I wake up. I don't know how many times a night, every night. Just and not only that, but you've got you've got the light coming out of that. Um, so mm-hmm. sleep is one thing. Uh, spare time is is a big one. Just because you know, just like you and Carrie, like we're we're busy people. We love to have a lot going on at once. And with a child, like you really have to prioritize things because yeah. you aren't going to be able to do everything you did pre-child, obviously. Right. And just wait till he starts getting in activities you have to drive all over town for. <laughs> I keep hearing about that. Oh. Soccer practice is Ooh. a nightmare. Uh, 
There's soccer's not allowed in my house, Jeff. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, really? that, that would what? be baseball and softball. Ah, uh, beautiful. Maybe okay. Some inline hockey for the boy there. But I, I understand your point. Absolutely. And Fox, I know from Hillary joining us on Pat's show, has discussed how little Fox really injured himself and left him with his nice scar. Oh, jeez. Right yes. In the middle yes. of his head there. Well, how's that, he, how's that I, healing up? It, it is. Thank you for asking. It's healing up well. Okay. Our, our son is uh, a, a bit, he is a wild child. He's going to I, mean, be a I don't know how else to put it other <laughs> than he has a lot of energy. He never stops. He has two speeds. It's either asleep or he's running through say, walls. If he's sleeping for 10 to 12 hours, yeah, yeah. man, he's storing up that battery he's, life for the day ahead. He's putting in some work during those hours <laughs> he's awake. But, uh, but he, he, you know, his eyes healing up better with it. You don't realize. Uh, how big of a deal something like that is when it's it's very visible. This was on his eye his eyebrow. He he hit his head, and um, you know we had to get. They didn't do stitches. They glued it together. Mm-hmm. I guess it was it was just nice enough, yeah. symmetric enough to where they could glue it together. Um, but we've we've had to like do so much care for that to try to get it to fade a little bit. Right. You know you have to put always putting sunscreen on it because the you know the sun the will sun darken it up. Bleach. Yeah, yeah, it's it it's a lot of work, but it's looking so much better. Okay. I don't know in my head. I'm just thinking, oh, he's so little, it'll go away by the time he's like you know three or four. But mm. apparently, scars don't work that way. Mm. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, he'll <laughs> get there. He'll get there. Being an optimist, I still think it's just going to disappear one day. We're going to yeah. wake up and be like, oh, there's his full eyebrow again. Great. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Ta-da. <laughs> so this next question, because I sent out an email before we sit down with these, and some people don't really answer it because it's a tough one. You know, a lot of people don't listen to songs on repeat, but I asked, what was the last song you had on repeat? And I apologize in advance to everybody listening because it's about to be in your head, the Baby Shark song. Which song, and maybe it's that one, the Baby Shark song, which song have you heard from his collection that makes you want to hang yourself? Is oh, it that one? Oh, no, you know what? <laughs> as far as me just wanting to rip my own ears off, yeah. <laughs> Baby Shark isn't as bad as it gets. Okay. There are, right now, he's in an Elmo phase. Oh, no. There are some Elmo songs that are absolutely brutal. We will pray for you. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's, it, I'm hoping this phase doesn't last much longer. <laughs> but uh, you know, Baby Shark, I will say this about Baby Shark. First off, someone out there is a, a absolute like genius. Whoever came up with that, it is the most catchy thing. When you get the adults singing it, uh, it's it, it it's painful, but it's also like okay, you you sprinkled like the audio MSG in this, and now we're all hooked on it. <laughs> audio but, MSG. Uh, but it's... Um, and it pops up everywhere yeah, in our culture. It does. Well, now DJs are using it. Like, right. you'll have a DJ play it at a club. Right. You know, it, it's it's 100% like crossed over into like the adult use as well. Now there's different version of it. We we have a dubstep version that we'll play for Fox, uh-huh. which is actually pretty darn good. Oh, is there it, really? it, yeah, as far as kids, kids songs good go. Good to know. Um, yeah, if you... <laughs> But I mean, that's so, yeah, relative. But, yeah, and I mean, it shows up at like uh, you know Cub Scout events. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it shows up, uh, you know, the Washington Nationals. It was like their theme song and their uh, World Series championship. Was run. it really? Well, yeah, because one of the guys that was his walk-up song. 
Oh, and that just kind of that became guy. The, yeah. So it, it's it's mm. it. Well, that that video on YouTube, I want to say, has like six billion views or something. Oh my, ridiculous. Oh my. And you, you might fact check me on that one, but I want to say it was it was a number that I hadn't seen before on YouTube views. Something <laughs> just ridiculous. Oh my goodness, no! You are so correct. Is it six billion? It is. It, it it will be there by the time this podcast. <laughs> it's been up for four years, and it's at five point nine five billion views. I mean, I'm struggling to get a thousand views on a video, <laughs> and these these fools have six right. billion views. Oh my goodness! I mean, fool. Yeah, who's the fool in this situation? <laughs> right? No, I, I they hear are you. obviously doing something right. Uh huh. What is Mac Lethal's Tomahawk Chop remixes? Because as an Atlanta Braves fan, uh, I see Tomahawk <laughs> Chop and I'm thinking, what's going on here? It's the other. It, it, so I, I grew up outside Kansas City. I'm, I'm a lifelong Kansas City Chiefs fan. Mm-hmm. I liked them before Patrick Mahomes started playing there. Oh, my goodness. I've had I, to answer that question. Now, it's really dropped off. Since the Falcons blew a 28-3 to lead in the Super Bowl, I got it with 17 minutes and 7 seconds left, but who's counting? But nobody asks me that question anymore. Are you a real Falcons fan? Were you uh, a fan before they were good? Oh, my goodness. The, the thing really? is, it, it, teams like the Chiefs and the Falcons, mm-hmm. would you call yourself a fan of theirs unless you really were? It's not like it's a Yankees. It's not like they're this perennial powerhouse yeah. that just dominates almost every year. Like, you're, you're going to be... You're in it. You're, gonna be, you're not going to be eating well most seasons. Uh-huh. Uh, as opposed to occasionally you'll win oh. a Super Bowl oh. every 50 years or so. Right, right. Well, yeah, congratulations to you. I Thank still you. don't know Thank what that you. feels like. <laughs> you guys will get yours. I mean, no, it's a matter won't. of time. No, we won't. Really? You don't think so? No. I didn't think that when we were up 28-3 to 3 either. But that's, well, with fans like that's, you. That's another story of the Falcons. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I got you. The fact that you are a Chiefs fan, they are so loyal. That area of the country, right there, that bullseye, whether it's a Nebraska Cornhusker fan or a Kansas City Chiefs fan, mm-hmm. which in many respects are one and the same. Yes. Lots of people with season tickets and Omaha and Lincoln that drive down to Kansas City oh, for yeah. those games. So that that is probably the most loyal epicenter of the country for football teams. I believe that. Yeah. I believe and, and they are it's I mean it's Friday night lights up north, if you will. Uh, they're all about football from high school on, and it was actually a really fun area to grow up in in terms of football and following football because, you know, high school is great. Everybody went to our high school football games. Yeah, um, and the college, as you've alluded to, mm-hmm. is just it's everything. The big colleges up there. I was at K State when they had a pretty good team going on. Oh. We still lost to the Cornhuskers a lot, uh, but no, no, no. You beat uh, us that one time when you ripped our quarterback's head off with a face mask. <laughs> I'm not bitter. It I'm happens. just saying. It happens. Yeah, but that's cool. So, but you've um, beyond Kansas after yes. you graduated, you've lived like in Los Angeles, right? I know. Right. Uh, where all have you lived? Is it uh, just L.A. and Dallas? And yes. K- okay, okay. That, so- that, that's it. So I, after college, I lived in Dallas for about a year and ended up moving to L.A. I basically graduated, moved down here, tried a marketing job because I had this new marketing degree and I wanted to use that. Um, so it was and, a job that brought you down here originally? Correct. It was okay. actually it was a, uh, a little... Uh, Arts and Entertainment Weekly that was based out of Dallas it was called the Met Magazine. Okay. At the time, they were the Dallas Observer's main competition. Okay. 
Um, it just, you know, those weekly little mm-hmm. uh, newspapers, arts entertainments you see out. Yeah. Um, and they, <laughs> so I came down here. I interned them, interned with them the last summer I was in school, got offered a job. So I graduated, then moved down to take this job. They were, I started in May, they were bought out by another company in September. Oh. So I, 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 you know, I dove into the world of marketing, trying to give it a try, even though all I really wanted to do was work in motion pictures. And this company got bought out, and I was like, "Well, that that's that's the sign. That's wow. the sign right there." So, so was your from, uh, like apartment lease or whatever longer than your stint at the? Uh... It it was. <laughs> oh, it, no. it was. Yeah. So I had, oh. I had to, I had to wait that out and save some money up, and uh, and then I hit the road and moved to L.A. And just L.A. just on a whim, just hey, I'm gonna go and try my hand in California. That was basically it. I had a cousin that lived in Los Angeles, and that was the only person I knew out there. Wow. And she had nothing to do with the business. Wow. So it wasn't like, oh, my cousin is you know, married to Steven Spielberg sure. or something like that. That would have been way better. So you just yeah. had to start knocking on doors then, huh? Exactly. And oh. and what I quickly realized was there are a lot of people in L.A. who did the exact same thing. So yeah. then it's this and giant rat race between all of us living is not exactly <laughs> cheap out there. Wildly expensive. That has to be a, a, a very scary, but yet... Um, Scary, challenging, exciting um, scenario. It, it is. It is like nothing else I've I've ever done. You have to be I, terrified sometimes yeah. going to bed at night. Like, oh my gosh, man, I've got to get a job, right? Or how? Or how quickly was it that you found that, something? That, I mean, that you're you're a hundred percent right. I uh, I often say that I was the most naive person in all of Los Angeles because <laughs> here I was, this kid from Kansas. I had lived like a year in a big city, which is Dallas, and then I moved to L.A., and I was just, you know, the first six months I was out there, I I thought everyone was so nice. They were so sweet, and they seemed so helpful, and then I shortly Everybody after realized something. they're all trying to figure out if I can help them <laughs> yes! get what they want. You know, they were like nice until they realized that I'm just some chump from, you know, Grove in Kansas and I had zero connections out there and I'm probably looking for a bartending job uh-huh. or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. Man. So you did see though at a flower shop Andy Garcia once, right? I, did you did you take story. advantage of that connection? Did you do anything I, I with that? I probably should have, yeah. although I was I I was uh so such a big fan of him as an actor. Uh-huh. Have you ever seen Things to Do in Denver when you're dead? No, I haven't. Oh not. man, it's so underrated. What uh, is Andy it Garcia has obviously done a ton, but it's called Things to Do in Denver when, when you're, you're dead. dead. Okay, it I'll is an amazing it. movie. He's <laughs> really good in it, but I had just watched that. I had the the DVD. It was yeah, it would have been a DVD at that point in time. <laughs> and he, I saw him at a flower shop. It was literally a block from my house. And I was like, I was starstruck, you know? Yeah. It was, it was, it, in the weird thing about LA and living in LA is you see more celebrities at like the bank and restaurants and flower shops than you see in places you would expect to see a celebrity, yeah. like in nightclubs or something. Right. No, it, nightclubs is a bunch of people like me who who are striving to make a living out there. <laughs> you know, it's it, but but these celebrities they live in the area, so they're having to do some normal stuff. So that was a weird a weird aspect of living in LA is is seeing. You know, people like Julia Roberts at Trader Joe's, mm. you know, as opposed to, That's funny. you know, at uh, some Hollywood premiere. Yeah. Actually, you mentioned Julia Roberts as, as an example there. Ironically enough, one of my cousins was in a youth group with her. In really? Smyrna, Georgia one time. 
I don't know that she was really a part of anything. She just kind of showed up once or twice. But he said it wasn't long after that that she was blew up in Pretty Woman. Yeah. Oh, you know, wow. A few years later or something like that. I don't know what it was. I don't know how. Her Can age. you imagine starting your career with a movie like Pretty Woman? <laughs> that right. Every woman in our country has a copy of that DVD somewhere stashed away. Right. It is. Wow. I mean, that that movie can you imagine how many, how much they've made off of residuals from that movie? Right, right. Well, um, Ed Bishop, who works at The Blaze with me, when he was on this uh, podcast uh, earlier episode, if you want to go find Ed Bishop's story, he tells about a Hollywood starlet that uh, people I think will recognize that ended up buying him dinner because he didn't have his wallet with him. And she wasn't nearly as big as she is now. A few months later, because she had told him about this movie she was working on. A few months later, she shows up on the big screen in Lost in Translation. Scarlett Johansson no! bought our buddy Ed Bishop dinner one night. Wait, wait, wait. Ed went on a date with Scarlett Johansson? It wasn't a date. It wasn't a date. Uh, he tells the story in an earlier <laughs> podcast episode <laughs> okay, of okay. At The Mic. Everybody yeah. go check that out. Ed's a great guy, by the way. Yeah, so maybe I'll just call it. Yeah, it was a, it was a date. You're just going to have to go back and check it out. Yeah, anyway. No, it's good stuff. A great story. Okay, so you have multiple talents, at least under the question that I ask in the well, email. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm just looking. It's a, I don't remember long, what I wrote in there now. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. <laughs> he says he doesn't practice yoga, but he can do a yoga handstand. And I'm thinking, opportunity lost. I should have taken that picture for the cover art on today's podcast. I recently got a picture doing that handstand when we, when Hill and I were in Colorado a few weeks back. So I can send you a picture. Oh, please do. I can. What send is you it? What is a yoga handstand? I just think of a handstand. No. Well, I, oh, no. I, I like you. Know, legs I, I like you more because you don't know what it is. Oh no. Um, it's no. It's just uh, you know what a headstand is, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's like exactly. your your hands and your head yeah. are meeting the same plane, right? And your your feet are just straight, straight up in the yeah. air. Legs legs are together. Uh-huh. I mean, this is a family friendly show, <laughs> and uh, and you're just you're just forming like a, a tower, okay. sort of. But I don't know <laughs> what it is. I I can't hit. 90% of the poses when I used to do yoga, it's mm-hmm. been a long time. Um, not something I have time to do wow. <laughs> anymore. Is that something you picked up in LA? I bet it's something you yoga picked up in LA. Yoga on every corner. It was a weird thing. I don't know. My body just has like weird balance where I can pull that off, but I can't do any of the other stuff standing. So it's, it, I had to make note of it because it's just so odd. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, can you can you recite us some poetry? I guess you you write. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, funny rhyming poetry. Like what what is some? Uh, where, where do we? Where uh, can, well, you have you. Where can we see some of this? Uh, great work? I, fortunately, you can't see it anywhere. Mm. Um, you would have to take my word on that, or talk to my wife <laughs> okay. on another episode of the podcast all right, all right. <laughs> because it's 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 come in real handy when I've gotten myself in trouble that's with good. the wife being able to write myself out of that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Is it kind of like uh, one of those little rap-offs or whatever, you know? Yeah, we, yeah. Okay. A battle rap? Yeah, battle rap, yeah of yeah. course. <laughs> well, okay, so I will say this. When I proposed to Hillary, I put together a book, and it was, and guys out there who are looking to propose, you're, you're, you know, if your significant other will not listen to this podcast, you can use this. Okay. It, it, it worked amazing. So, Hillary and I saw a lot of movies when we were dating. I created a book with the poster, the the cover art from all the movies we had seen, Mm. and I wrote a poem 
including all of those. And it Aww. led up to the movie The Proposal was on the last page and yeah i'm i know people are like this is so gross this is every woman right now no every woman right now is going oh you i mean i hope so i hope the guys aren't just like okay i'm turning it off now um in in this this was just like okay i i've called on this random skill i have of writing these fun poems mm-hmm um, and this one came in handy. I hooked a wife out of it. So that's right. You know, nice if nothing else, it. It, it was successful that day. Yeah. You play tennis? I do. Yeah. I grew up playing tennis. Oh, okay. Very good. So, Are you a tennis player? No. Oh, darn. No, okay. no, no. I mean, I did for like five minutes when I was like in middle school with, with Nana, my grandmother, who was a previous episode. Uh, if you want to hear about that. And was Nana on the, on the show? Well, after this one posts... It will have been in hindsight. Mm. Nana was on the show. <laughs> awesome! I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, Man, we, tough act to follow. Uh, Come oh, on, sure, sure. She's ninety-five, by the way. Oh my yeah, gosh, she's great. So, are sports part of your background then, besides just yeah. tennis and stuff? Yeah, I, I grew up playing sports. You know, being in the Midwest, yeah, sports are a big deal. There isn't that much to do if you sure. aren't playing sports. So, uh-huh. you're either playing sports or you're getting in trouble. So, uh, our, our parents were. Definitely encouraging when it came to sports. They were more than happy to drive me to soccer practice, I'm sorry to say, or, or tennis practice, as it were. <laughs> okay. But I, I'm actually, Hillary is keeping her fingers crossed that Fox won't like soccer because she thinks it's the most boring sport ever. Well, it is. And so she's, I mean, she's like, right I about just that. don't want to have to go to soccer games. Look, I will, assuming you guys ever have arguments, whatever they are, past, <laughs> current, or future, I will be on your side with everything except for this one. Soccer is, it's terrible. God gave us four limbs. Can we not use them all in a sport? That's a fair point. That's a very fair point. I've got a lot of fair points, but I don't want to make this whole podcast about me and how much I loathe soccer. But uh, I think, honestly, for me, I just want my son to be active and to not just be wanting to play video games. Mm -hmm. Like, if if it's between soccer and video games, I will gladly take him to soccer practice. That's good. I'm 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 doing my best to to hold back. <laughs> Let me just ask you this question here as a soccer aficionado. Okay, okay. Why is there only one person in the entire universe that knows how much time is left in a game when we have the technology to share it with everyone else? Oh my gosh. Well, that that is a question I can't answer okay. during this podcast. <laughs> We're going to need a lot more time for that. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Uh so you played uh, soccer, tennis, anything else? I played baseball, oh. uh, played basketball. I played football when I was very young, but um, kind of gave that one up in order to be more serious about basketball and oh, okay. baseball and tennis. What sport do you think you have been the best at in your life then? Well, okay, so technically speaking, it would be tennis. I, I okay. played that all through high school. and Because uh, you, you have a great serve, do you not? Oh, <laughs> this... My my serb is my bread and butter. Uh-huh. That, that is that is the one thing. Mr. Ace, it, exactly. They call me Ace. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, well, that, they don't, but I wish they, they did. They, they should. They, they yeah, all the, should <laughs> call right. me my tennis Ace. fans. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I played that during high school. I should have stuck with baseball though. Oh. Baseball, I I I felt like baseball was probably where it's at. I 
I got burnt out just by playing too much mm. and decided one season I didn't want to play anymore and I just never played it again and I regret that every How day. How old were you when you quit? This was this was right before high school. Okay. So I, I was still pretty young, but I, I wish I had followed through on that and played more. See what would happen, huh? Yeah. What position did you play? I was a pitcher. Oh man. Yeah. Well. And and much like my serve, I, I have a a really good arm. Mm. Like uh Oddly good. Well, that's it's, awesome. I'm hope Fox Fox is already getting himself in trouble by throwing things, uh, you know, through the house and breaking uh, you, random objects. You and I need to find a like a radar gun, a radar gun. Oh, and let's that see would be what so we've fun. got. When I was young and I was growing up playing baseball, I played second base because I had a terrible arm. Okay. Then I want to think. But you're agile. Well, sure. I want to thank uh, <laughs> I want to thank Wayne. Can't remember his last name off the top of my head. Who uh, knocked me off of the top of a fence in, uh, in second grade? I broke my arm, and I think that that gave my arm great power and strength. Because after that, I was like you. I could really throw it. Now I can't throw pitches. Okay, I can't make the ball do anything. My son's in the backyard throwing curveballs at me with my head spin. You know, <laughs> I just like whoa, that's great. I wish I could have done that. You know, yeah. No, my arm is just. It's good for shortstop, you know, but now I'm old and now I'd probably get injured. I feel now, like my arm would come off if I tried to throw see, a ball a, as far as I could as right As I'm now. talking, I'm thinking, man, that would have been fun. Me and Jeff go and, you know, just mess around with a radar gun just for the fun yes. of it. Probably drink beer while doing it. <laughs> yeah. But as I'm talking about this, I'm like you. I'm thinking, nah, I like being able to feel my arm. So let, maybe let me, I yeah, let me ask you this. Since you've been an adult, um, 20s on... I will say, have you tried to throw a ball like as far as you can? Oh, as far as I can? I was going to say something along the lines of I played softball well into my 30s. Okay, okay. Like but beer league? Yeah, I don't remember ever trying to throw something as far as I can. But just that thought as you're saying it, I feel my arm falling off. <laughs> I, t- well, it was my I think I've for talked myself that. out of doing anything that involves throwing anything with you. Now, the beer stuff, we could go do that. <laughs> right. But the radar gun, what were you going to say? I, well, I was just going to say, I, I, I've made the mistake a few times of just trying to throw a ball far without warming up. Uh-oh. And the old arm, like, yeah. for me, definitely in the 30s, but even, like, late into the 20s, I my arm I would throw it out almost immediately. I mm-hmm. I realized I had to warm up for like an hour before I could even oh, like wow. throw it very well, like very far, very fast. Um, so I think before we have any sort of pitch off, we should probably you know warm it up well <laughs> or, or just kick the ball. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'll play soccer with you. How about that? <laughs> because it doesn't involve using my arm. See, no. Actually, as you're talking here, I'm thinking. See, I had this major reconstructive surgery with my left arm. It was a cheap shot in a church softball league. Oh, I remember when I moved here to Texas eight years ago, I actually showed up to play softball for a church that needed somebody. I came out of retirement and I lasted one game because I played shortstop in that game and I ended up throwing the ball into right field. You know, like not, not even close to where it needed to be. And my arm started to feel like that left one did just from that one oh, day. Oh, no. So I just, I'm having this flashback now as we're talking about throwing <laughs> stuff. Bottom line is, I'm not throwing anything you're with out. you, okay? <laughs> All right, but you're a uh, champion beer chugger. Uh, 
Yes. Like, do you actually that, have an award that says you're a champion beer chugger, or are you I, just saying loosely? I, I wish I had some sort of, like, WWE belt yeah, that'd be fun, with, right? with that on. Maybe maybe I should look into something like that. But <laughs> So I, I collected sports cards my entire life. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this. I did take a break from high school through college, and it was because, you know, I discovered girls, I, I, I got a car, I... You know, my buddies and I started drinking beer. You had other things. There, there were other allowance. things to spend yeah. my money, my <laughs> allowance on, or, or the money I made. You know, sacking groceries. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know what it was. But in college, I, I was always, um, I, I could drink very fast. <laughs> Not something you want your kids to be good at. But uh, but yeah, it was always fun as a party trick. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm still waiting for that belt to show up, though. Uh, yeah, right. So have you ever had so much to drink that you fell out of bed like you did when you were a toddler, <laughs> which is your earliest memory? Oh, my gosh. So I it's, I loved that question um, because it, got, it, it brought me back. And I remember my parents literally had to put a um, – I, I don't even know what to call it other than a little – fence guardrail up Mm -hmm. on the side of my bed because i was constantly rolling out of there they were worried i was going to roll out and like break my neck or something as a little kid and so my earliest memory was rolling out of bed and i don't remember waking up on the floor and thinking like what happened or Mm -hmm. had nothing to do with beer fortunately (laughs) i had everything to do with me sleeping like an alligator which uh you know (laughs) my son is already doing himself right i see where he gets the recklessness right exactly fortunately he's still in a crib so he's Uh got those rails there that's good he's not able to roll out that's good (laughs) and your father is who you list as the individual who's had the most impact on you yes tell us about him uh, oh, geez, my old man is great. He, uh, he, he's just he to me. He embodies the perfect balance of being a provider and a good role model. He, uh, you know, he served in Vietnam. Mm. He got a Purple Heart. Wow. He he was actually shot in Vietnam, uh, and then he he got you know medevaced out of there and ended up getting released. Um, then he went on. He started working at the railroad. He worked for the Santa Fe Railroad. He he worked his way up from actually working on the rail to uh, being the head of the Santa Fe Law Department. So he put oh, himself wow. through law school oh. while he was working for the railroad. So he worked for uh, Santa Fe, and they ended up merging with Burlington Northern. Mm-hmm. He worked for the BNSF for 42 years, which is unheard of these days, working for the same company for you know that four is. decades That's- uh so and and now he's just he's such a great guy he uh he's a wonderful grandfather and he's he's always he's always the guy that i know i can go to to get advice on just about anything i think he'll even give advice when he doesn't even know exactly <laughs> oh, what i'm asking he has advice for that's me great. Yeah. that's great yeah so cool so let's go back to your experience in los angeles yes yes because before you moved out there you actually had an opportunity to take a job, right? So what happened I did. with that? I did. So how did you end up out there without a gig? So, okay, so I, I, I had mentioned that I was working for this little arts and entertainment weekly. Um, I was a marketing assistant for the Met Magazine. Okay. Um, we had several um, accounts in our advertising uh, portion that were different film companies that were, they had promotional uh, wings that were based in Dallas, 
uh, that would be promoting the big releases coming through, um, you know, Universal Pictures, uh, 20th Century Fox, Fox, um, uh, Sony, all, all the big movie studios. And so I, I had a, a relatively good rapport with a lot of these I was reps. Say, that sounds that were like in a the good area. connection in there somewhere, huh? You would think so. Um, when our, our our magazine got bought out and shut down, I you know our whole staff was without a job, and so my boss, uh, bless her heart, she was amazing. Gay Gabrilska was her name. She was awesome. She reached out to uh, some of our our movie reps and asked, you know, Jeff. He's working for us. He just just got out of college. You know, he's he's a hard worker. I don't know what what she said exactly, other than um, he has interest in being involved in the movie industry. Do you guys have anything for him? And so I ended up getting a interview in L.A. with 20th Century Fox. You know, I had to fly out there, and they had a position with Fox Searchlight, which was their independent branch at the time. I think they still are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was going to be doing basically marketing for them. So when they would have a release, I would, I would go around and and you know make sure uh, everything was in place to promote that in all the major cities and mm-hmm. a, a relatively cool job. And I essentially was offered the job at the interview, and I was so intimidated by the idea that I was not ready to move. I still had a you know, a lease. Oh my gosh! On, on my apartment. Yeah. Um, I hadn't saved up any money because I didn't know our company was about to get bought out, and I just didn't feel prepared to go. And ultimately, I didn't want to work in the marketing of films. I wanted to work in film production and yeah. the creation of these films. So, against my better judgment, I turned it down. My parents were happy because they didn't want me to move to L.A. anyways. They were thinking, you know, you're... How much longer afterward did you? About six months later, I ended up moving out there. It seems like, and you have no idea how life works out, but it seems like one of the things that you want to accomplish in your lifetime may have been closer if you had gone that route, which is write and direct a feature film, than the path you chose, but you still hope to be able to do that someday right right so that, that's exactly it how would you maybe have you even thought about how you would go about doing that well i guess i should ask you this do you have that screenplay do you have that thing ready my to goodwill go? hunting right do you have it sitting on a shelf you know the next time i go out to los angeles i'm gonna pack this in my carry-on yeah <laughs> you know i'm gonna find somebody that's gonna let me make this you know that that's a great question, and I still hope to be able to write and direct a feature film mm-hmm. of my own someday. A, a comedy, um, it would be wonderful. What I have noticed working in production for the past uh, fifteen years, at least, is that there there isn't a ton of money to be made in independent film. Unfortunately, right now is a really bad time to be an independent filmmaker. Mm-hmm. You know that there's. There are people that are making money in that industry. Obviously, it's still going on, but uh, it's a rough time. It's really competitive, and a lot of it, it's very rare that a script now, a spec script, gets bought. Usually, people are writing ideas that are already, you know, they've already got the rights for them. It's already a successful book. We're going to convert this to a screenplay and make a movie out of it. Like that. That's the majority of what's coming out of Hollywood. This is the same reason that it, you hear time and time again, people are like, they're so not creative. In Hollywood, like we've already seen this movie done, it's just now it now it's 
female Ghostbusters. You know, it's it's like <laughs> it, 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 there aren't a ton Scooby-Doo, of original ideas out there. Scooby Doo version twelve. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. So, I I've found kind of a nice groove for myself in branded content and content creation for the internet Mm -hmm. you know and and there is money in this like Mm -hmm. i my day job is working for a production company where that's what i was just making branded we're making branded content all day long for these big companies and branded content if you don't know is essentially long-form commercials so the beauty of the internet is we aren't we aren't limited to 30 or 60 second length commercials we can make a two-minute commercial so if i go to youtube and I want to watch a better than Ezra video, which which is the only thing that I would, only thing that would distract me from going to youtube.com slash bench clear. But if I was going to see a better than Ezra video, the pre-roll commercial that's playing yes. could have gone through your hands at some point. It could have. Like a two minute, three minute story that makes Absolutely. me sit there and wait a minute, I'm going to watch this. Yeah. You know, okay. that that's the whole part. And that's, that is the beauty of the internet is it opened up. Um, yeah. advertising to real storytelling uh-huh. as opposed to we're going to get a look and a smile and then a tagline because that's all we have time for in <laughs> right, 30 seconds. Right. Like we're really going to be able to tell the stories. And now companies are kind of getting more savvy with their marketing and they're they're using real storytelling and then putting their logo at the end of it as opposed to sell, sell, yeah. sell, buy our stuff, buy our stuff. It's cheap. It's affordable. You can do it, buy our stuff. Logo. No, it, it's like we've got a whole story, right? And this is this just happens to be brought to you by X. So you are actually applying your marketing degree to your real nine to five job. As a little it were, bit, yeah, right? yeah, a little bit. Although, probably if your experience is like mine, everything you learned in college you could throw out the window because the technology has changed so much that you're actually on the course of an average day doing stuff that's light years away than what you originally learned. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, were you a communications major? Yeah. You were. Okay. Now, did you always know you wanted to do something similar to this? Or were you, yes. were you at any point in time, were you like, I want to do TV? Or I never wanted to do TV. Okay. All right. I, I specifically got into radio so I could, well, dress the way I am right now. Heck, yeah. Shorts and a t-shirt. Do you ever just not wear pants to, to work since... You- I don't want to let my Too secrets aggressive. out, okay. but uh, there have been occasions that the air has been flowing in here. So, I, I mean, we edited as late as, and I'm sorry, University of Nebraska-Lincoln for this, but the late 90s, we were still, as a requirement, splicing reel-to-reel tape together. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I've not touched a reel-to-reel tape in my life since then. I have so many friends with film degrees, uh, you know, working the same thing I'm working in with my marketing degree, and they were all trained on, like, film, like right. an avid editing system, Have if it. you're familiar with that, yeah. which no one uses that anymore. Is... Like, get that out of here. That was that... cutting edge <laughs> yes, in 1996. It was. It was. It was, it was so <laughs> but, but to your point, like, it's such a shame because... This industry, media production, evolves so quickly mm-hmm. that if you learned something 10 years ago, it's likely obsolete at this Wait, point in time. Think of the terms that anybody uses in their daily life and go back 20 years and start throwing around phrases like social media right? or uh, help me with whatever you know stuff comes to mind, um, digital platform yeah, or... Yeah. Or just these phrases and stuff. I'm a content creator. Yeah, content. Yeah, what, what was that? Oh, oh, no, no, no. Here's the worst word ever. 
influencer. <laughs> really? Hey, I'm married to an really? influencer. Okay, well, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I totally agree, yeah. though. She would never refer to right. herself as that but it's either, like, but it's, it's... It's like anything that we learned in college. I mean, I hate to say it, but a lot of it is irrelevant. It's mostly the stuff that you learn later on when your feet are held to the fire and you're actually going to battle and you're in the real world, that's where you're learning your life skills. Exactly. As it were, your career building skills. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a cynic. Well, I think, and unfortunately, a lot of these uh, RTF programs, they don't, they don't keep up with um, the latest in technology. You know, a lot of times it's a professor that this is what they learned on, so they want to make sure all of mm-hmm. their students learn on this. This isn't always the case, but I, I've heard this story so many times, and they ended up kind of doing their students a disservice because they're training them on the stuff they learned on, but no one's currently using this right. in real life. And and for me, you know, a lot of a lot of friends of mine who went to film school, they learned production in this giant kind of union-based production environment where there's 40 people on set. They all have a very specific job to do. And then when you get out to the real world, like we have a production company and we have at the most maybe five people on set at once. Mm-hmm. And and we're all doing several different things. Like I'm, I might be writing and directing a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so like it, it just has scaled down so much with digital digital production equipment that you don't need all these different people out there. And so I feel like sometimes they, they do a disservice yeah. to their students because they've stuck with this this method that they learned. Yeah, there's so much that we learned that's not applicable to today. But in their defense, there's no way that they could have predicted where we have ended up and are still developing as we go along. And it can't be unique to just my business. It's probably like this across the board for everybody's career right. field. You know? You're right. It has, it, it's been a crazy evolution. Over the last two decades, everything has changed in what we do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have to ask you, um, I was thinking of this earlier, you going to school in Lincoln, Nebraska mm-hmm. around the 90s. Oh, I already know where this is going. Were you, I don't think you do. This might surprise you. Three out of four years I was there, national champions. <laughs> no, that's not. You that, just had to get that that's in. Not, that's not where you're no, going? No, 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 but I'm happy we got that out. <laughs> what do you uh, got? We would have been remiss not to mention that. Yeah. Um, were you, Were you? did you ever go see any 311 shows no. In the no, you I didn't like three eleven. I wasn't into them. No, really. I, I, that, that's one of those bands that I go back and go. Ah, eh, this isn't bad, you know. But at the time, I, in fact, I remember specifically saying because they're from Omaha. Yes, I specifically remember saying to one of my college buddies, "I'm sorry, I just I can't get into a band that works their band name into their lyrics." <laughs> I specifically remember saying that to one of my buddies. But uh, why that, are you? Are you? I mean, I grew up. It, everyone I knew in the Midwest who grew up right. around there loved oh, Three Eleven. Yeah. Like they were gods in our area. <laughs> and we would drive. We would drive to Omaha to see them whenever we could because they did a lot of local stuff. Mm. But they were they were a relatively big band at the yeah. time. But I any anyone I know that was in nebraska either lincoln or omaha around the 90s i have to ask just because they played such a big role in our in certainly my high school years Mm -hmm. yeah no i'm 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 with you i I, that's that's fair my only claim (laughs) to fame you know growing up black crows went to my high school did they really the the robinson brothers yeah nice so i mean but I, i i've told this story before where if you um in one of my classes one of the classrooms they have all the high school yearbooks 
from my high school. And you'll go and you'll see them. And I think you see them in their sophomore year. And then they just like, they disappear. They're like, wait, they should be in the next one. Wait, they should be in the next one. Where'd they go? Well, they dropped out. They went off to be huge rock stars. Wow. (laughs) Anyway. Wow. But if people want to follow you on social media, I know you are on Twitter, right? Yes, absolutely. Jeff Hofer. Yes, but I would love for them to check me out at, at PackGeek because I'm actually more active on that okay. even than I'm glad the, we clarified the, the at that. Jeff Hofer. Okay, so then forget Jeff Hofer. Yeah, yeah, let's We're just going to go to PackGeek. Yes. And that's on Twitter, Instagram, Instagram Facebook, Facebook. And, and you can go to the YouTube, but please, if you want to see our... Um, you can go to packgeek.com. All the episodes are there. Oh, that's helpful. But, but yeah, and uh, <laughs> just but, do that. <laughs> let me just drop that. Yeah. Everything is there. If you if you want to cut straight to the YouTube channel, though, go to uh, YouTube.com/slash Bench Clear, mm-hmm. just like a bench clearing brawl, mm-hmm. but it's just Bench Clear. You know what? And you will see more sports card content than you've ever wanted to see. And, and you've given some great tips. I. I I always refer to the one that you gave me when I first met you was I was given when I lived in Charleston, South Carolina, I don't know, 15, more than 15 years ago, there was a um, engineer there that was clearing out his office and he just gave me all of these football and baseball boxes, like three or four boxes. Why don't I have these sort of coworkers? Right. And so what had happened was he gave them to me and I just, Tucked them away until my kids got old enough to appreciate them. So, a couple years ago, we unearthed those boxes, and we started going through a pack a day. And so they were unopened packs. Unopened packs. Oh, my gosh. There we go, right? That's perfect. That's a perfect find. Yeah, and so every now and then, we would open one together. Um, They even got a Beckett guide for Christmas with the the, the price of each, the value value of each card, right? Well... After doing some research and seeing that these big name players were worth a nickel each, I realized the late '80s, early '90s—that's what these cards were from. Mm-hmm. That's when the the market was saturated with so many companies and so many printings, and there was just very little from the era I collected, whether it's in a book, you know, encased in plastic, or these unopened packs. They're just not worth much, right? But then you gave me this great tip for people to keep in mind. And it's that when you have these unopened packs, we all think the Brett Favre rookie card is in there. Of course. But in that, you're not the only one who thinks that. So does everyone else. So sell that pack unopened to somebody. It just If you do, though, just don't tell me what was in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you find the Favre rookie. It, it, it is, absolutely. You know, I think a lot of people have uh, kept... Box packs and boxes, even cases from those from that era, especially the early '90s, because that was when everyone really started buying up sports cards, thinking this was an investment they could retire on. Someday. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, and unfortunately, there were so many people interested in it that the sports card companies just let the presses run, and they they just overproduced the heck out of it. To the point where there is very little value left, even even with some massive rookies mm-hmm. from those years. Now, with that said, there's still collectability. There, there's still a lot of nostalgia, you know, attached to those years. Yeah, but I've got two questions: Is it still that crazy with the printing today? They so they do something really smart now. I they they do produce a lot, but what they do now is they just have more brands. 
so none of those brands are necessarily overproduced because they have enough different so when you and I were growing up, let's say there was Tops, Fleer, and Donruss. Uh, yep. Those were the big three. So now there are like 28 different brands of wow. basketball and football and baseball cards. And and that's 28 different for each sport. Something over 20. Yeah, it it gets it gets a little it gets a little intimidating, but what they have going for them now, hey, there's there's something for everyone. There's the the a little cheaper product so the kids can still buy something. There's the really expensive stuff for the guys who are out there trying to, quote-unquote, invest in sports cards. These are usually people that like to gamble with their money. Uh-huh. Those are the same people that will go buy you know, a $1,000 box um, or people that have sports card YouTube shows that want to show off. Uh-huh. Um, Which, by the way, I just subscribed to YouTube.com slash BenchClear. Hey, thank you, And Pete. don't forget to click the bell so you're notified when hey, there's a new video up yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so there, there is really, there's something for everyone out there and they are, they're creating what they call parallels now. So I'm going to get, I'm going to get a little geeky on you, but I want to, I want to help you understand. Okay. Um, they are basically creating limited edition cards within these sets. So even if they produce 10 million of each card, there is a subset in there, like a gold has a gold border instead of a white border. We'll just say for a simple example. And there's only 10 of those anywhere wow and maybe and maybe one that's a one of one so <laughs> people are hunting for these like treasure cards nice. these limited okay. edition parallels so no matter how many they print there's still only 10 of the gold border cards or obviously one of the one of one mm-hmm. so they they've figured out a way around that and i, I think it really works well and uh you know that it's it's the hobby has changed a lot uh, it sure has i remember how hot this card i'm about to tell you I know you'll know it. <laughs> this card was so hot that the uh, kid stole it from me Uh-oh. when I was uh, growing up collecting cards. And I remember its value, which, of course, I had to replace it. Actually, I think my mom was very kind in doing that for me because it cost $25 at the time. Good night. It was a 1988 Donruss rookie card. Do you remember the Greg Jeffries oh, rookie card? Do I ever. That is currently for sale. I'm not even saying it's worth this. Currently for sale on a website for 50 cents. <laughs> now, how's that for an investment, huh? Oh, I like that. my goodness. Well, so I hope you enjoyed stealing my card. It's worth <laughs> nothing now. Of course, so is the one that I replaced it with. Do you remember how excited you were, though? See, I don't know if you ever pulled one out of a pack, but if you had to buy one for $25, it, it you probably didn't pull one out of the pack. But oh, no. I, I pulled one of those out of a pack, and I that may be as excited as I've was ever that been. Not, that, that was the that card was, high watermark of excitement for us at that age Yes, collecting cards. Oh, my gosh, I got a Greg Jeffries. I think maybe the original one that I pulled was that one. Um, but I know that the replacement one was not. It was gotcha, like $25 gotcha, gotcha. over the counter, yeah. <laughs> I spent a lot of money at the uh, old baseball card shop there in Marietta, Georgia. Ooh. Yeah. So that era, the late 80s, early 90s, looking back, are there any cards from that era that are valuable, that come to the top of your head, not to put you, you know, under the gun here, mm-hmm. but that come to mind that aren't error cards Yes. Because all I can think of with my kids as we're opening up these packs is, 
Let's see if there's a is that is one it of the a reverse negative? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. You know, but but are there cards from that era of when they printed so many that are valuable? There are. Oh, they're, they're okay. Well, um, the '89 upper deck, Ken Griffey Jr. I knew. Yep, that one. That that is still a yeah. hot card. In I fact, I could never get that. Yeah. For '89 upper deck was it was the first premium card. It had the hologram. Exactly. That was the exactly. first year, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah sure, sure was. I remember buying, you would save up and buy the entire box set. You know, that long, yes. narrow yeah. box. It's still, I think 89 Upper Deck is still wrapped in a safe place right now. That's still <laughs> a good set. How much is yes. that worth? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know off the top of my head. I would say it's probably 75 to 100 just, well, that's just probably what set. I paid for. But I know, I know. That's yeah. the sad part. The good news is if you have a mint condition and mint, so they have third-party graders. Have you had, had learned about these? So there are companies that you send your card to them Whoa. and they will encapsulate it and leave a grade on it like in, in a little plaque at the top of the card that tells you exactly is it gem mint? Is it a 10 gem mint? And and give you all the, the stats on the card and encapsulate it so it will stay that condition forever. I'm nervous tra- putting that in the U.S. mail, man. I know, Come I know. On. And they will charge you an arm and a leg for it, and uh. it'll take six months to get it back. But uh. there are companies now that will grade it, and finding like that particular card mm-hmm. in a certified gem mint, like PSA is one of the grading companies, and then Beckett also has a, does the grading. But... Let's say you have that card in a PSA 10, which is their highest grade. Okay. It's it's like a $1,000 card right now. So then huh. you go, you know, that just went 10x from the price you paid for the set because it was mm-hmm. in great condition. Um, wow. So it's just something to think about. This The, the third-party grading has completely changed the game because even like a Greg Jeffries card, if you have that in a PSA 10, like it's probably quite a bit more valuable than it was ever just raw and out of the pack. Wow. All right. Well, this is good stuff. This is the kind of stuff, the kind of information, uh, if you're into baseball cards or maybe it's been a long time or any sport card, not just baseball, right? I mean, you, exactly. covered, you run exactly. the gamut. Yep. If you want to rekindle that love from your childhood or you want to start getting into it or get back into it, you know, youtube.com slash bench clear. Check out all these videos. Uh, Pat Geek on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yes. Anything else we haven't covered here, man? Oh, man. This is so fun, Keith. I'm so happy you had me in. Oh, absolutely. This was a blast. And I'm going to have to locate all of my uh, cards and see what my investment is now worth today. But I guarantee you it's worth less than what I paid as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. There there are a few exceptions to to the rule. Okay. Very cool. Jeff Hofer, thank you so much for making time for us today here on At The Mic, youtube.com slash benchclear. Thanks, man. Thank you. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Look for At The Mic Show on Twitter to connect. 